Hi, welcome back to my goddamn quest for happiness. It is episode number six and this week we are doing something slightly different because we have our first ever guest on. I am very excited. I've been speaking to Simone Seals. I know her from the Conservatoire in Scotland. She is a cellist and a mental health advocate. I am really, really thrilled to have her on. In this episode, we talk about mental health, obviously. We talk about trauma because Simone really, really, really knows her shit when it comes to trauma, how it affects people, how it affects people in schools. And we are talking about the whole situation in the United States at the moment that people should be aware of now, not the least because of what happened with George Floyd. And we are obviously talking about how that affects people's mental health, how that can uh, bring up trauma and how that relates to happiness. So I hope you enjoy this. Thanks so much for joining. So without further ado, here is Simone. And welcome to my goddamn quest for happiness. I am Anne Klein, actor, comedian and life coach. Okay, sure. This podcast is all about happiness. What makes us happy? What makes some people happier than others? And why can't I get it? I've been reading a lot of books. I've been talking to many, many people, watching lots of YouTube videos, rabbit hole. And I have discovered a few things and I would love to share just that with you. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> Exciting times. Well, um, okay. I am going to start by saying thank you for coming on the show because I am really excited. And you're our first guest, so that's um, a milestone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Do you, um, do you just want to maybe introduce yourself a little, tell our listeners a bit about you? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, my name is Simone. I just finished my master's in cello performance at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland. And I have a slight obsession with studying trauma. <laughs> so uh, I know an above average amount about it for someone who's not had any <laughs> study in psychology. Right. <laughs> How did you get into working with trauma? Um, so originally it started with just an obsession in psychology uh, in like middle school, high school. I really desperately wanted to understand how people worked because mm. I didn't get them. Right. <laughs> um, and so I would study human behavior and then into college, having my own sorts of traumas and things like that. I then wanted to understand myself more and got into trauma, met people who had experienced trauma and realized that most everyone has experienced mm. either like a lowercase t trauma or a capital t trauma and that like affects our lives um mm. for the rest of our lives so i got into wanting to help people in that way that's really nice <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you do that professionally as well right you go into schools and you help educators with that um, yeah, so that's sort of the goal. The main goal is really going into education systems and like revamping right. <laughs> how, as particular in music education, how mm. we talk and relate to others. And do, can you tell me a bit more about that? How would you want that to change? So it really is more about how like teachers understand themselves. So it starts to, you have to know about yourself to really then be able to help others. Mm. Um, and especially in like higher education and music, you have an old school style of teaching, which is starting to you know fade out, but it's still very much there. If you have to be perfect, you have to do this. It doesn't mm. matter like who you are. You need to practice eight hours a day, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's very rigid. <laughs> 
uh, and also leaves no room for the individual. Right. They, they, I feel that they sort of just expect it to happen, but you have to like nurture the person as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so really I'd like to change the mindset behind how one-to-one teaching works and how like studio classes work and really building a, a positive environment that nurtures the person and, and doesn't say, Oh, ev- once you walk into my room, you have to leave everything at the door. Right. It's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you think you're doing that, you're probably in denial. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like seeing, seeing them as people rather than just machines that come in to do music. Yeah. So how do you, how do you feel um, trauma and happiness relates? I think, oh my gosh, I mean, as someone who has experienced multiple little T traumas (laughs) throughout their life, I think that maybe it wasn't until like college that I realized I was actually deeply unhappy, Mm. that like I sort of realized I was dissociating from like since middle school. I was like, okay, everything sucks. I don't get people. People don't get me. like home life, home life was good and bad. My dad was emotionally abusive. So I never wanted to be home. And it's like not having any sense of grounding. Then you go into college where you're like on your own for the first time. I right. moved away. Uh, and thankfully, I mean, I went to a private college, which cost uh, way too much money being in the States. Um, but it did include free counseling. <laughs> so <laughs> there is a silver lining. And I, was like really just something happened. So I came out like freshman year to some people. And there was this one woman, of course, like classic gay kid. You're online, you meet someone, you come out to them. They, you like them, blah, blah, blah. They like you. But then two weeks later, she was like, actually, you know what? I don't like you. And I was like, wait, (laughs) this doesn't add up. Um, So I was so emotional, like the most emotions I'd ever felt. And I was like, I don't know what's happening to me. So I went to counseling. (laughs) I was like, something's wrong. (laughs) I'm like, I'm crying all the time. I can't stop. And usually I'm able to just like shut it down. And sort of just like realizing, oh, there's all these things that are leading me to me thinking that I was happy, but really I was just like feeling a baseline of nothing because that was easier and I still to this day have moments where I'm like I wish I was a robot and I didn't feel anything (laughs) because it seems like easier to not feel anything because for me it's very stark like if I'm gonna be happy then I'm also going to be unhappy right like the two have to exist (laughs) yeah yeah and I as much as being happy is enjoyable and I was just talking to my mom about this last night as much as I being happy is enjoyable like the unhappiness I find so difficult to deal with Mm-hmm. as someone who's still learning to cope with everything that I'd rather like not have anything. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think for people who've experienced trauma that like knowing such like disdain <laughs> and like, and like unhappiness and a low feeling of self-worth that like feeling happy is almost scary. Right. Because it's unusual. Mm-hmm. Like just a f- few months ago, I like actually had a decent relationship and it Mm -hmm. was good and like it was really good and I was like this is weird don't know what to do with it would rather (laughs) (laughs) self-sabotage right um and you know things happen it ended but being like oh that was really good but now I'm unhappy and now I wish that the good thing had never happened because like I don't want to be unhappy right so it's a, a constant push and pull of like 
having to reconcile that there is a balance. And at some point you will stop experiencing them in extremes mm. and like have a moment where it's like, okay, I'm, I was happy today and um, I was unhappy yesterday. But like, you know, life happens. Right. And sometimes I'm in that mood. But these last few weeks, it's been more of a, I hate everything. Right. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. I mean, a lot has been going on as well. So I think it's relatable. <laughs> yeah. But I find that really interesting because... Um, like positive psychology is quite a new thing and they were saying that um up until then they'd only been studying things like depression and all the negative emotions but actually the absence of de depression is not does not equal happiness and i think that's a mm -hmm. bit like what you were saying just now you can get rid of all those negative feelings but that doesn't mean you feel well yeah. so you almost have to work through the trauma and work through the negative feelings and accept them and like yeah and just work through it to be able to achieve the happiness as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's so much that happens in the brain as well that like prevents someone from really understanding why they're unhappy. Mm. Um, so when you experience any sort of trauma, and I think it's important to understand that trauma doesn't have to be like a big event. Right. The way that I see it, it's that anything that you yourself are unable to process. Mm. So trauma is a very singular experience. And it's how you interpret a, a situation or event. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes, or when, when you do experience trauma, the brain sort of just goes into an automatic fight, flight, freeze response. Mm -hmm. And anytime you're triggered by, or reminded of that trauma, your brain will automatically put you in that stress response mode right. without you being able to really control it or, or have a choice in the matter. Because your brain's like, oh, we know what happened last time. So this is what you're going to do. And really... Like the different therapy modes of understanding that are like starting on the, like what I call the lizard brain. And I think other people call it the lizard yeah. brain. Like <laughs> the, the one where you just like sleep, eat, pee, poo, like very basic, yeah. like baby stuff that gets disrupted when you're distressed mm -hmm. because um, your body's like something's wrong. And so we need to go way back to basics. Right. <laughs> Um, so we're going to mess up your sleep. We're going to mess up your digestive system until you figure out how to get rid of this stressful thing, which is really, you know, upsetting if you don't understand what's happening and it can cause a lot of health problems because your brain is just trying to get you to like process this really emotionally disturbing thing, but it doesn't know how to tell you that because unfortunately, like our, our thoughts aren't our brain. Right. <laughs> so I think really understanding how the body is affected by trauma can help people like sort of understand themselves and, and seek out how to help themselves and then mm. find a balance of happiness um, in their lives. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because especially I think a lot of people, once they're in that place, it becomes mm. really hard to seek out help to, to yeah. realize, or maybe you do realize you need help and you realize what you should be doing, but it's really hard to find the motivation to actually take action yeah. and do the things that would help you out of it. Yeah. And it's scary to, to like face the things that upset you. No, I think it's just really important to, to understand yourself and like that, that it's not impossible to, to get through things. Like right. it feels very much impossible. Um, and for some people who've been doing, you know, numbing themselves for years or decades, it can very much feel, you know, like it'll never change. And it's scary because mm -hmm. if that's all you know, why would you want to change? You're like, well, you know, I've lasted this long mm -hmm. <laughs> doing this thing. But 
um, there is always something more, even when you've like, you know, I've been going to therapy for like six years and like, there's still something more to work on. There's, right. there's always more, but starting small and just working on one thing at a time and really just knowing that it can get better and Mm -hmm. it's going to be slow and it's going to be hard and you're going to want to (laughs) quit, but that it's not impossible to, to achieve balance and achieve happiness and achieve joy. Also something you said when we talked earlier was, and I found that really interesting because it's so close with with what I've been talking about around happiness, is that part of your mission is to to let people know that they have control uh, over Mm -hmm. this because we tend to think once things have been bad for a long time that we have have no impact on, on it changing and that like things are just happening to us and there's nothing we can do to get out of that. Yeah, um, that you said what, learned helplessness. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very, yeah, our brains will do whatever they can to protect us, mm. but it, sometimes it goes into overdrive. <laughs> right. Um, and, and we need to, even if, uh, what is it? It's like the people who can escape. Um, let's say they've been, you know, kidnapped or something, they're in an abusive relationship. And they have all these opportunities, they they don't take it mm-hmm. because they they don't think it'll work. Right. And that happens on small scales where we we sort of trap ourselves or in in really negative situations because we don't see the the that it's possible to get out of it. And mm-hmm. a lot of um, trauma work is really learning that you ha- can rewire your brain. And mm-hmm. while you may always have these these reactions you can learn to respond differently. So like one of my triggers was uh, like people talking about overdose. And while it's still something that's touchy, I and like I sometimes just have to go away and have a panic attack and cry about it. And mm. then, but then it's like, okay, I'm out of it. And it doesn't last days. But right. it's understanding that my brain is doing this response in a way to protect me, but mm-hmm. that's not how I want to be responding in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and really like having coping mechanisms to, to get out of that spiral, even if it's for 10 minutes so that you can go and spiral somewhere else. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just like, okay, coat gotta, gotta keep the face, gotta do all this. And I recognize that this is happening, but then that gives you a sense of control that you're, you're seeing that it's not you just popping off that it's you just like, Oh, this is something that I really don't like hearing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I can get through it and it's just going to take me like, you know, an hour or two, but then I'll be back. Mm. And the fact that it's possible to rewire your brain is also really fascinating, I find, because mm-hmm, yeah. I think we're taught so much that you're born a certain way, you have certain genes, there are things that happen to you, and that just creates a human out of you, and you just have to deal with whatever you were given. And yeah. the fact that you have the ability to actively change that is quite empowering, I find. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously right now, like there's a lot of shit happening, not just with the pandemic, but definitely a lot more in the States than everywhere else with mm-hmm. um, the Black Lives Matter movement. And I'm sure that has a huge Im- impact on people's happiness and that might trigger a lot of trauma as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, that in itself, just seeing all the stuff they post on media is traumatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I don't. I don't understand why people think it's okay to share like videos of people being murdered. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't do that for anything else. And even when you have like war imagery, it's all blurred out. So it's it it's really hard to to go on social media now. Um, because everything is just a constant reminder that 
uh, people who look like me are dying or being not dead. Well, dying one because of the pandemic, because they're dying at a disproportionate (laughs) rate. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also just being straight up murdered (laughs) in the street. And now you have stories of like black people being found hanging in trees. And it's like, they're saying it's suicide. And we all know that why would anyone Mm -hmm. choose that for themselves? And there are other Mm -hmm. ways. Um, But yeah, so it's very, very hard to deal with. And it, I think it really affects, for me personally, it affects, affects my self-worth. Um, mm-hmm. So as someone who already like deals with self-worth issues and then seeing all this imagery, like feeling on a societal level that I'm not worth anything mm-hmm. is like really difficult. And it, it doesn't really help how, however many people tell you that you matter because like it doesn't change what you see every day and what you know historically. Like, cause it's, it's not just an isolated incident of like this year, or these few months, it's literally mm-hmm. decades and centuries yeah. of, um, being told and talked about in a, in a way that's almost throwaway and people not really, not really learning about what happened to slaves and, and how really awfully they were treated. Mm-hmm. Um, and not ever really seeing those stories in a way that doesn't center whiteness Right. Because whenever you do see stories about slavery, it's almost always also about how there is that one nice white person <laughs> who freed them <laughs> or like gave them an extra meal and things like that. Right. Um, there was a Chelsea Handler did a series called Chelsea Does and she did one mm-hmm. Chelsea Does Racism, which I found really impactful to see her just going in and and really doing that work yeah. <laughs> as a white person and just being like, you guys are messed up. And her also having her own issues with like being racist at times and, yeah. and trying to learn more and trying to own up to it. And I just really respect like white people who just admit that they don't know a diddly darn thing about mm-hmm. what it is to be a black person or um, what it is to be a uh, native American and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's one scene where she goes in and, and she's in the South and she's talking to these people who their ancestors had plantations and they were like, well, we treated the slaves well. Right. And she was like, but you had slaves. And then they were like, why are you attacking me? And she's like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then she talks to a, a college educated white guy who thinks that World War II was not like just propaganda. Oh like, my god! Yeah. That none of that really happened, and it was all just war propaganda. And she says something that I really <laughs> found funny. It's like it goes to show you that you don't. It's not just people with one tooth mm-hmm. that are out here thinking these things. It's yeah. like fully educated people that have these thoughts and values, and that is where it gets almost more dangerous. Yeah, these that's people really that scary. can really argue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I also thought it was really interesting. There was this moment where I think that was the same same episode where she was talking to her ex-boyfriend from when she was younger and she was saying how uh, they got stopped by the police and they had drugs in the car and she got away with it and she always thought it was because she was really good at just talking her way out of things Mm -hmm. and her boyfriend went into prison. So, And she said, it's not until now that I realized it's not because because I was so good at talking. It was because I was white and he was black. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like, that's a hard pill to swallow. I can imagine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's just the, the way that like we individually move through the world is I think really hard to recognize. And I will always say that 
like white people are inherently racist. And that's not to say that white people are inherently bad or evil. Mm. It's just that the way that you've grown up in the world, you're going to miss things that Mm -hmm. are clearly racist to someone who's black. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there is a a place in my undergrad uh, breakfast place that was 100% racist. Always had Fox News playing. Mm. The only black person they had working there was the cleaner, but they had really good breakfast. (laughs) So I would go every once in a while knowing full well that like, you know, they're going to treat me differently and I'm going to be the one black person in the room. And I went with someone who I was seeing at the time who was white. And she said, oh, I think just like, oh, they treated me really differently from when I was with my dad. And I was like, well, yeah, because you're with me and I'm black. She's like, no, I think it's because like, you know, we're gay. And I was like, no. That's not it. <laughs> I've been with Blake and we get treated the same Blake's one of my white guy friends. And I was like, and I've been treated the same way. This is just how it is. Right. And she's like, no, no, no. Like, I don't think that's it. And she's like, I think you just need to understand their, they just maybe have more traditional values. And I was like, they have more traditional values of like lynching people. <laughs> but it was one of those moments of like, you don't, understand that like i'm telling you that was racist right and you want to see the good in everyone Mm -hmm. but like what you're doing is denying my experience which is also being a little bit racist (laughs) yeah um and it's those things of just not listening to other people's experiences or or always being like oh maybe it was this other thing Mm -hmm. it's like nope it's because i look the way i do (laughs) right so oh boy I mean, obviously, also, this is not a time to say, how can we get you happy again? Because I think this is a time to be angry. Uh, I don't yeah. think maybe happiness is the, is the right emotion during this time. But do you personally have any, like, coping mechanisms or ways to stay at least sane and healthy throughout this? Yeah, I think for me, like, talking to other Black people and just, like, us healing together and having that community, mm. it, like, having moments of joy in that way of like just you know talking trash about one another and like (laughs) and and saying like stupid things and sort of being together Mm. is really important uh as a black person right now and not feeling isolated which of course like I mean the states no one's isolated right now but (laughs) (laughs) Um, but here in Scotland like it's it's quite difficult because we do have to we're still advised to stay you know safe and Mm -hmm. and stay at home and things like that so it's harder to to find that but you know even though zoom I think is exhausting at times Mm -hmm. being in the like just having a big group chat with all your black friends is like (laughs) is really nice Mm -hmm. um other things I've been doing just like I've been watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> like a stupid amount. I watched like six seasons in two weeks. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, uh, it's, yeah. I'm almost like drag raced out now. <laughs> hours upon hours every single day. But watching that and like, you know, seeing the community there and right. and like, you know, a community, like the intersection of the community of like gay and black and Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, their experiences was really nice and to hear and like not feel so alone. What else? I'm like starting to get into like more arts and craftsy stuff (laughs) because I always thought I was really bad at it. So I never did it. (laughs) But now I'm like, you know what? They say art therapy works. So I'm just going to (laughs) like, I'm just going to like draw whatever I want and and not care. (laughs) Um, 
So that's been nice. I have some paint. I might do some painting today, actually, and just, Great. like, see what comes out. Lovely. But, yeah. Will journaling you post it online for us? Oh, my God. No, it's going to be ugly, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but with that, you'll give permission to other people to do ugly drawings as well. True, I guess. You're like, art therapy, don't judge me. Exactly. <laughs> Go and share your ugly paintings. <laughs> Yeah, we should start that. But obviously, if it's therapy, it's personal. People don't have to share that. You don't have to share that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> look, look at my ugly painting today. This is how I feel. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds good. Uh, that sounds like a lot that people can take out of that. Um, <laughs> and lastly, I'm actually I would like to ask you, what does happiness mean to you personally? What does happiness mean to me? I think that happiness, like, is. So I have one particular memory when they go like, what's your safe space? You know, and like, they're like, go back to that safe space. Mm -hmm. I was 17 and my cello teacher who like, I called my cello mom. I just helped finish, helped her clean out her like storage unit. Mm -hmm. We went back to her um, little house and we got Panera and I had like a Thai salad. (laughs) Um, And we were sitting on our back porch and she was like living right across from like a little lake. Uh, and it was just sitting on her back porch, eating Panera <laughs> and just like listening to the water and listening to the birds and feeling like so far removed from everything. Right. That like that moment was like, like content. Cause I think that like, for me, happiness is contentment. Like it's not this extreme. Oh my goodness. Like I can't stop smiling. It's just like this moment of like, I'm really peaceful right now. Mm. And that like, I'm here and I'm present and like I'm focused on what's happening in front of me and I'm not thinking about anything else. So I, I would say that that is what happiness is to me is those moments of just like, those like pockets of presence. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounds lovely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is there any, any last thing that you would like to say? Just, uh, I think, go easy on yourself. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, and I, that's a reminder to myself to go easy on myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like take care and don't, don't try and like constantly push for something sometimes you just have to sit with it. If you're constantly pushing, you're just constantly wearing yourself out. You need to rest for a bit and then let the muscles heal so you can push again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I struggle with that definitely is the constant wanting to improve and never really resting. And then your, your body ends up making you do it. My advice from experience is to rest before your body makes you (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like good advice. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it will and it'll suck. <laughs> yep. But that's like what we started with when you said just like sit with the feeling and allow it to to be there. Look at it. So if you if if yeah. you notice that you need a break, take a break. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Simone. I really appreciate that. No problem. Thanks. Um, thanks for this chat. Yeah. So that was my interview with Simone. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Let me know your thoughts. Um, follow me on Instagram at goddamnhappinesspod, on Facebook, my goddamn quest for happiness, and check out aldo.lu for more. Thanks again. See you next time. Bye bye.